Soccer Central. So happy to have you join us for another week of our uh, look across the beautiful game here in the Great Lakes State. My name is Robert Kerr here, your host of this weekly podcast, Michigan Soccer Central. Got a great episode this week, a bit of a mid-Michigan focused episode. We're going to have a great conversation with the captain of Lansing Common and the first player brought back for the 2022 season. Mr. Julian Burge is on the show, as is uh, Lansing State Journal's uh, digital sports reporter, Phil Friend. He came on and uh, provided some great context on just the landscape of soccer in Lansing, as well as uh, a little bit of insight on um, the three uh, (laughs) semi-pro or pre-professional teams that are going to be competing in uh, the state capital this summer. So hang on tight for those interviews. Uh, Some really great stuff from our guests this week. Um, Like always, there's plenty of soccer news going on uh, across the state. So be sure to follow it at MI Soccer Central across all the social uh, media platforms. Uh, there's a uh, never a dull moment, it seems. Uh, some of the, the newsworthy items this week um, that made some waves included a whole bunch of uh, player turnover in the Western Michigan uh, Broncos men's soccer program. Uh, the more There was more than two, but two of the departing players uh, went to leave uh, to, to, to apply their trade for uh, University of Kentucky this spring, a midfielder and a uh, Kalamazoo native uh, Brendan Creek is going to be going to Kentucky, as is uh, Western Michigan goalkeeper Isaac Walker. So I believe uh, those guys are two of the four that departed um, Western Michigan's men's soccer program through the transfer portal here just over the last week or so. Um, Some news this morning, uh, Detroit City FC continued their uh, initial debut USL roster build as they announced a USL veteran, a Frenchman and Princeton grad, Antoine Hapanat. I hope I'm um, saying that right. I'm not uh, well-renowned for my uh, French pronunciations, but I I hope I did the new La Rouge striker uh, a decent pronunciation there. And another notable thing that came on the uh, timeline this week at MI Soccer Central was uh, the National Futsal Premier League is up in full swing. And there was coverage on uh, the feed this week. And uh, I saw a posting of the uh, NFPL's uh, leaderboard. And uh, a Michigan team, Grand Rapids Olay, is topping the NFPL table after uh, the first five games. So another thing to uh, follow the MSC socials for, uh, I'm not sure how many, uh, too, 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 too many outlets are, are covering the, uh, the regional futsal league here in uh, the Great Lakes State. But a lot of uh, stuff to check out there across uh, both uh, all of Facebook, uh, Twitter, and um, Instagram for all those updates and um, really is uh, like they 
the, the, the bio is at the top of the Twitter page that whether you're a coach, player, and or supporter, Michigan Soccer Central is the place to connect with the entire Michigan soccer community and um, a great hub of information as so many different uh, followers and listeners and who really, really uh, centralizes coaches, players, and fans uh, all send in a whole bunch of information. It really is a, a central hub to to know as much as you possibly can or to share as much as you can about soccer here in our state. But with all that being said, I really am uh, excited for these next interviews. Um, I had the privilege of watching him play for Oakland County FC for a number of years. But he, uh, in 2021, made a, a homecoming and became the captain of Lansing Common and uh, the first announced player of the 2022 season. So we've got Captain Julian Burge, followed by a great interview by Lansing State Journal's uh, sports reporter, Mr. Phil Friend. So hang on for that and enjoy these conversations here on the Michigan Soccer Central Podcast. Welcome back, listener. I'm uh, very excited to be joined by our very special guest, Lansing Commons 2021 captain and the first player announced by the club for the 2022 Midwest Premier League season for Lansing Common, Mr. Julian Burge. Welcome to the Michigan Soccer Central podcast, sir. Thank you very much. I'm glad to uh, glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Yes, it's been a long time since we've uh, actually gotten a speak in person, but it's uh, good to catch up here. Uh, first of all, I mean, that's pretty awesome. Uh, w- tell me what it's like to uh, be the first player announced to come back uh, to the club. Yeah, it's it's really cool. I, um, you know, I knew I was going to be in the first group. I didn't know, you know, what order it was going to be in, but really just excited to see the other guys who, who are coming back or who are new this year. Um, just because uh, I'm excited to see who my teammates are going to be. Okay, so there, you you guys, uh, you you don't know uh, who who's going to be involved just yet. Not not really. Um, I knew that Mooney was going to be back because I had uh, texted with him actually about a week before he was announced with me, um, and I was pleasantly surprised um, to see that Gershom Sylvan had had joined us as well because I actually coached against him this past fall. He put, he played at Holt high school and I coached for East Lansing and I knew how good of a player he was obviously from last year as well. He scored four goals on us in a, in a friendly game towards the end of the season. That says something about the experience of last year that, uh, uh, you and other players are, uh, you know, jumping at the chance to come back to play for Lansing common. Uh, uh, I've covered uh, you in the past. You play for Oakland County FC, and uh, you kind of returned home, uh, so to speak, a re- reunion with your old coach in your hometown. You uh, go into East Lansing High School. Uh, tell me about uh, what happened in that first year, because it seemed like uh, from the outside there was a lot of culture built in there and a lot of great results on the field, too. Yeah, our first year, yeah, it went really well. I, I think... Oaks and his coaching staff did a really good job getting in a lot of really good guys, not just players, but like people. Um, and I felt like we clicked really well from the start. Um, I got to know quite a few of them on a personal level as well. And 
I think that chemistry off the field really helped our chemistry on the field. And yeah, I mean, we got second place in our league in our first ever season. So um, that was that was a pretty, pretty good accomplishment. And we obviously are hoping that we can um, improve on that this year. Last year was a, a reunion uh, with uh, Coach Josh Oakley. Um, tell us about how, uh, um, I guess, how it came about to where you were asked to be on the team um, originally and then uh, kind of go into maybe how uh, your, your your first spell as a, a player for him. Yeah, so originally for, for Lansing Common, you know, once once I found out that he was going to be the head coach, he... We, we talked, you know, we're, we were still in, in contact. Uh, you know, I was um, actually his assistant coach at Alma for a year after I got done playing with him there. But so we, you know, we had developed a, a close friendship. Um, and when, you know, he found out he was going to be the head coach, he he reached out to me and, and asked if, if I'd be willing to play. And uh, for me, I mean, while Oakland County was an amazing experience and I'll always be incredibly grateful for what they gave me. Um, it definitely, I had to think about, you know, I have a, a an adult job now and it's, uh, it's much easier for me to be closer to home playing. Um, and then to be able to play for coach Oaks again was, was really just too good of an opportunity to pass up. And, uh, so I, I basically, I talked, thought it over a little bit. I, you know, I let, my Oakland County people know just cause I didn't want to just say, you know, have them find out through social media. I wanted to reach out to them personally and, and let them know and thank them really for all what that they had done for me. Um, and, and my teammates as well from them. I, I you know, I, I followed them quite a bit last season and I really want them to do well. Um, but yeah, then coming to Lansing was, was a really cool thing, like kind of a dream come true being able to play, at that level in my hometown. Um, and then, you know, uh, so I, I met coach Oakley the, for the first time, my junior year of high school, actually, he was my assistant coach on my club team and, um, for two years and then started recruiting me at Alma college, which is where I then played for him for four years. Um, and, uh, before coming, becoming his assistant coach for a year there. So, I've known him since gosh, 2010 or 2011 now. So, so it's been quite a while. So, I mean, your decision to, to play for Lansing common, like check too too many boxes for uh, it to, you know, possibly pass up with the, the relationships and the locality and the um, just the, the, the uniqueness of the club in and of itself so I get to know and uh, saw you mostly as a player in that uh, kind of a stretch in between your paths in um, the mid-Michigan area. Um, you went from reserve player to uh, one of the first names on the the uh, team sheet um, over the course of your seasons. Uh, um, what can you say to people who are unfamiliar with a uh, summer ball? Um, how can uh, it, it play a role in helping players uh, – um, and maybe we're at small colleges, you know, develop and strive for uh, higher competition levels. Yeah, that's a good question. So, I mean, I didn't, when I tried out for Oakland County for the first time, it was in 2016. So I had actually, I was just graduating from Alma. So I was done 
playing collegiately and basically just wasn't ready to give, give it up yet. Um, and yeah, made their reserve team, um, and played for their reserve team for pretty, pretty much the entire first season, uh, and got moved up and for like a U.S. Open Cup game in that September. So not even really the summer season. That was my first, that September game was my first game with their first team. And yeah, I mean, it for me as a, as a D3 player, getting to play with guys who, who play D1 or D2 or NAIA and, and, and then also D3 players, you know, just being able to kind of prove to myself that I, I belonged there um, was a really cool experience. And, and it has, I mean, it's helped me, I believe I've improved as a player since, since leaving college. So while, you know, it would have been awesome to, to get a couple more years in college, um, as a player there, um, it's still, I still feel like I improved greatly. And, um, I think it definitely is such a cool thing to be able to play in the summer and continue your, you know, sharpness, um, to then prepare for, for the fall as so many players do nowadays. One of the, uh, yeah, I mean, it's kind of hard to explain to someone who doesn't know the system, but it really can uh, uh, benefit. And it's awesome to hear uh, your story told like that. So what would you say was some of the highlights for you on the field um, last year with Lansing Common? Oh, man, on the field. I, uh, as a center defensive mid, I did not expect to score as many goals as I did. So a couple goals in particular really meant a lot to me. Um, there was a goal against Detroit City FC that people like to bring up a lot from from long range that I don't know if I'll ever be able to recreate again in my life. Um, so that was a, a, a kind of a fun moment for me, just seeing that go in. And but then just other kind of every goal I scored that that helped us, you know, hopefully get um, closer to a positive result in a game. Uh, those moments, I don't know, scoring a goal is just this feeling that, you know, I've yet to be able to replicate in my life. Um, and, uh, I mean, obviously the ultimate goal is for our team to win. Um, but it is, it is a really special feeling scoring a goal yourself to that's helping the team and a couple headers. Um, I remember in particular one header against BIH Grand Rapids at home. Um, when we got delayed by, a like a tornado, watch. Um, and that was the only game I think of the season that I played all 90 minutes. Um, just being, being a little older than the rest of the guys and dealing with kind of physical, um, limitations here and there. That was a really fun experience. And that was actually the first game that my brother got to see me play that season too. So I'd say those two goals, the Detroit city one and the BIH Grand Rapids one were two of my fondest memories. Yes, that uh, DCFC long-range effort uh, you referenced. Friend of the show, Kyle Clayton, I believe, shot that one. And yep. I'd love to hear your, uh, um, we'll give it like an NFL Films narration here. Walk us through that exact moment and we'll have it uh, go slow-mo underneath it. You know, what yeah. happened? It, it, it's, it's a great shot from down low. The ball s sails through the air. Can you walk us yep. through that goal? Well, yeah. So first shout out to Kyle Clayton, cause that was such a cool shot. And I, I've seen him on Twitter and stuff and he seems like a really great, um, you know, video guy and, uh, seems like to be super into soccer as well. So I appreciate him a lot. Um, but anyway, um, yeah, it was right at the end of the first half 
Um, and we were already up one zero off of a goal from my, um, roommate over the summer, Noah Canlis, who played at Alma and I coached him there. He, he scored, I believe his first goal of the season, that game, um, that really helped us kind of gain some momentum. And the ball was, uh, it was starting on the left side, kind of got, I think, scrambled around in, in their box and they kind of half cleared it out to me and I was around 30 to 35 yards out probably I, I took a touch with my right to with, with my right foot to put it more onto my right and I knew just because the half was close to ending I, I almost just kind of didn't want to take any uh, unnecessary risks and so I was just like might as well just put my foot through it and see what happens um and I, you know, it was, it was a hot day, 4th of July. And, uh, so I really didn't want to get caught on the ball trying to track back for a counterattack. So, so yeah, I just, it, it set up for me really nicely and I, I caught it really, really well, um, with my right foot. And then I just saw it start, start, start to kind of knuckle and then dip into the corner. And, uh, and yeah, that was that. <laughs> Incredible. Incredible. That's a wonder goal, wonder goal. So do you think you expect to be uh, a repeat um, seven goal scorer this next year in 2022? I mean, like you said, you're playing. So you played more out of the back or in midfield because you, you played a number of positions when I saw you play. Yeah, I I played, I think, one or two games at center back last season. But mo- for the most part, it was center defensive mid. Um, and, you know, I'd go up for corner kicks and stuff. Um, you know, seven goals would be a very hard thing to repeat. I think for me, you never know what's going to happen. I, I try to just take things one game at a time. And ultimately I just want us to, to win each game we play in. So whether or not I get the goal, it doesn't, doesn't really matter. But if it, if it falls to me, I, I expect myself to, to, to put it away if I have a good chance. So, um, yeah, can't really don't, don't have those kinds of expectations going in, but just taking it one game at a time. Was that long range effort goal that you described? Was that the only like non like header from a corner goal? Yeah, I, I think I scored trying to think the other ones, the, the other ones with my feet were like within the six yard box off of either free kicks or corner kicks. Um, but so that was the only one outside of the 18, probably even outside of the six. Um, that I scored that season. Looking ahead to uh, 2022, like the, uh, the, the the teams that have already confirmed that they're uh, going to be playing in the Midwest Premier League, uh, there's some exciting uh, ones uh, scattered across the state of Michigan. Uh, what do you think about uh, the new league and uh, kind of how it's all shaping up with uh, the teams in, in our area? Yeah, I think it's great. Um, I felt like it was a really competitive league last summer. And I know I've seen some announcements um, of, of a few new teams joining, uh, which I think is only helps with the, with the competition and then um, just getting to face new players, new teams, um, new dynamics. And um, I think it's a really great, great league to play in. I, I think that the level's really high and uh, really competitive. One of the teams that's uh, new in uh, the Midwest Premier League that uh, no doubt you'll be playing is uh, the Michigan Jaguars, which is uh, 
example of a team that's a very successful youth team that in the last few years has been entering a senior team, which is somewhat like Midwest uh, United is doing in another league. Mm-hmm. But uh, what do you think of that trend of that youth club uh, extending to the, like, the the senior levels? Yeah, I, I mean, I think it's cool. I, I actually remember playing against a Michigan Jags semi-pro team when I played at Oakland County FC. Um, and I don't know if it's like the same one technically or or uh, if they, you know, stopped for a couple summers and then came back. But, um, but yeah, I remember them being a good team then. So I'm sure they'll be, they'll be, um, you know, a tough opponent again this summer. But yeah, I think it's great that they're, they're doing that. And I'm sure they have, I'm sure they'll have guys who probably grew up playing Jags um, throughout like elementary, middle high school. And, and now we'll get to play at the, in this adult, um, league for, for Jags as well. So I'm sure that that will bring some, some cool, like passion and loyalty from those players. Uh, bringing it closer to home for you in the middle of the state. Um, I am not, uh, very familiar with, uh, Lansing in general. What is, uh, you were a high school player and you went and played at Alma. What is, um, the, 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 who are the main, uh, players in the Lansing area in uh, high school and um, what is the like I guess the, the the soccer scene like in the middle of the state yeah I mean I think you know I think we have some pretty good teams um, for example <clears throat> this year Okemos High School uh, won the state won the division one state championship um, oh and- yes that's and, not, that's uh, me not knowing my geography because I know Okemos, but I didn't know it was right. Um, yeah, no worries. Yeah, they're kind of our main <laughs> rival. Um, and East Lansing just got bumped up to D one. We were D two for quite some time. Um, and uh, you know, Okemos was a really good team this year, and they had Mister Soccer in Jack Gugamis, who's a phenomenal player. Um, Gershom from Holt, obviously, was a really good player. I thought I I thought East Lansing we had some pretty pretty talented players as well. And, and in the past, um, you know, Mason has won some state championships. East Lansing has won some state championships. Um, most recently, um, a notable figure being Dewan Jones, who now plays for the New England Revolution and the MLS, um, which is, which is a, just a, a cool, a cool thing. And, and I, I knew him a little bit, um, when he was in high school, uh, we never got to play together, but he's such a humble and good guy. But, um, yeah, so East Lansing, Okemos, and you know, uh, uh, Dewitt has has been um, a really tough. When back when I was playing, they they were the, a really tough team to beat. I we actually never were able to get past them, um, and and just even some of the other ones around the area, you know, everyone has their ups and downs, but I, I think it's a pretty pretty competitive area. I, th- I think. Um, coming back to Lansing Common specifically. Um, it's a, a unique club in its own right because it kind of uh, came together when uh, other Lansing area clubs uh, fell away. Uh, you know, the community gathered together to, to start their own one. Um, so what, what kind of things about the experience has been uh, unique to the Lansing Common? And then also you told me that you've been doing some volunteer and some off the field stuff for them. Yeah. Them? Yeah, I think it's great. That, you know, they it's like a community run club. Um, all the guys that I've met, all the people that I've met um, involved with with Lansing Common are such such nice people, and 
and want to reach out to the community and do more. Um, you know, we, we did a, a zoo, a Potter Park Zoo cleanup last summer. Um, we have um, just had a couple other little things here and there, like this past fall, um, I went to a, an elementary school and where we, we donated uh, a couple soccer goals and some soccer balls. We did this community kicks program that I think Oakland County actually does as well. Um, where we just hosted a, a couple sessions for, for little, littler kids to, uh, just introduce the game of soccer to them and had some players come and help coach as well as coach Oaks is, um, help helping to run that. So yeah, just little things here and there in the community that I think helps with just, you know, it, you know, it's good to get out there and, and, you know, not just have it be all about the soccer. It's, there are a lot of things that are much greater than that. Um, and then just, yeah, it's, it's, uh, I think it's cool that they've, they've really made a conscious effort to do that kind of stuff. For sure, for sure. Um, kind of uh, looking ahead at the season ahead. Um, what 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 would you goals would you say like uh future to uh, August? What what would be the most idyllic thing to to come of the season come August? Yeah, I think. Um, well, you know the the most the one that I think comes up the easiest is um, just in terms of the league since we got second place last year, the goal would be to improve on that. And the only, the only thing that's better than that is, is to win the league. Um, so that I'm sure it will be a goal. And that's something that I want to strive for as well. Um, it's, uh, again, I, I do, I like to take things one game at a time. So the goal for me would just every single game we play, you know, our goal is to win that game. Um, and, and hopefully at the end of the season, we're in a position where we could, um, get that first place. Um, so yeah, I think that's probably the, the main one. Yeah. You guys had an incredible, uh, go of it last year, uh, double digit wins, I believe Justin. Yeah. Second place. So if you're looking to, you know, up yourselves, uh, <laughs> yeah, there's just one more place to go. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, how you feeling? Uh, do you think that, I guess it's early days, uh, I guess it's exciting times right now, as far as uh, just the uh, the sort of uh, outliers of uh, the the first murmurings of things about summer soccer just starting to come out here in uh, February, as far as players and schedules and those sort of early announcements uh, definitely uh, get me excited for what's ahead. Uh, um, I guess as we uh, part ways, uh, um, is there any um, more that you want to add about? Uh, um, kind of coming back actually to be honest what what um a player as what you said earlier you have an adult job now how do yeah. you um you know uh navigate that long gap between uh august and uh come the next uh may start like what, what bridges that gap for soccer to to maintain at that level if uh you're in the the uh the workforce yeah, that's a good question. It's it's the last couple of years have been a little bit more of a struggle, um, you know, with the pandemic as as well. Um, I I did play a lot of indoor soccer. Um, this winter, I'm rehabbing a, a shoulder surgery, so I haven't been able to do much. But my goal is to hopefully start to be able to get in better cardio shape when I once I'm able to start running again. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, it's really does kind of, you know, getting to coach is, is helpful sometimes because sometimes I get to hop in with the players, but that's really not, um, doesn't happen that often. And it's really up to me to try to make my, make time for, for my, my playing career still. Um, and it's, it's, it's always easier said than done, but, uh, just trying your best to, to make the time to, to run, to, to get stronger, to get your foot on the ball, um, whenever you can. And, you know, indoor soccer is definitely a, probably the biggest thing that I did do in the past. I haven't been able to really do recently, but, um, yeah, it's, uh, it does present a bit of a challenge. Cause then I think your body's not necessarily quite as ready for, for a summer soccer season, but, uh, you know, just, I just do my best, best I can. Get the touches in when you can, eh? Yeah. Um, speaking of, uh, getting touches in when you can, I made my, uh, pickup soccer return for the first time after being like, uh, om- it was almost two, two years to the day since, uh, playing indoor pickup for me. Oh, nice. Yeah. It's been quite a long time for a lot of people. And it's, it's just crazy to think. I think we, we stopped playing on our, uh, we had a Tuesday night going for three years straight and then, uh, you know, almost been two years since. It was, yeah. it was pretty, it's pretty wild, but, um, mm-hmm. that's cool that, uh, I, that's awesome that you're, uh, coming back to Lansing common for the 2022 season. Um, do you have any parting shots for us, Julian Burge? Um, not really, no, I, you know, just excited to, to hopefully be able to contribute this, this summer and, and excited for, for just getting to know new teammates, reconnecting with, with old teammates and, uh, and hopefully having a fun and successful season. All right. I got to uh, stick to my word. I said last year I was going to come up to Lansing for a game, and I never uh, ever made it. So I'm going to try to stick to my word and make it up there and see you play up there. Sounds good. That'd be great. All right. Thanks for joining on the Michigan Sucker Central podcast. Yeah. Thank you, Rob. broaden out our conversation about uh, Lansing soccer here in 2022. I'm happy to welcome in the digital sports reporter for the Lansing State Journal, uh, Mr. Phil Friend. Thank you for joining us here on the Michigan Soccer Central Podcast. Oh, it is a pleasure. Thank you very much for having me, Robert. Yeah, um, we just talked to Julian Burge of Lansing Common. Uh, he was their first player announced back for 2022, and he captained the side last year, their inaugural year. You cover all sorts of different sports in Lansing. Uh, there's a lot to cover, but uh, you you seem to always make room for soccer. Uh, tell us about uh, the rise of Lansing Common in that first year last year. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people who follow Lansing soccer kind of already know the story, but I will kind of recap it here. You know, it was it's a fan-supported club. You know, they were kind of built from the ashes of uh, when Lansing Ignite folded. And, you know, they were all, most of them were all, most of all were Lansing Ignite fans. And they were very upset with how, you know, everything went down with the ownership and everything like that. How, you know, Tom Dixon maybe overestimated how much money he would make off the team and maybe didn't, you know, 
invest his money properly. So they kind of wanted to build a sustainable uh, team from the get go. And that's why you get the fan supported team and, you know, all of the money for the club comes in through their memberships and sponsorships and everything else like that. And, you know, by all accounts, it seems like they had a really successful first season and, you know, not, you know, maybe unlike Lansing Unite, having realistic expectations, you know, for, you know, money and success on the field and off the field and, and whatnot. And I mean, the way they've set everything up, it seems like they're ready for a successful season here and, and going forward. Yeah, coming from a, an outside perspective, I'm I'm based in Southeast Michigan, and from an outside perspective, granted, someone who's in the soccer bubble myself, mm-hmm. it seems it kind of seems hard to believe that they they were only actually uh, played one season. They they seem to have a, have a, f- a firm brand and uh, identity and a bit of community for for just being a one year on the field. Yeah, uh, unlike Lansing United, uh, they you know, had a full year. I mean, the pandemic played a little part in this, but they had a full year to kind of build the brand to get everything in place, you know, before jumping in uh, to to play where, you know, obviously Lansing and Knight folded in late 2019. So the the beginning seeds of that team started in late 2019, early 2020, and they didn't play until 2021. So they had a lot of time to kind of figure out what they did and did not want to do. And like I said, by all accounts, it really seems like they manage everything pretty well. Yeah, and you were able to to write a few pieces from what I could see and what I read last year. Um, how are you able to fit in soccer? Like, what is the pitching process of work of, like, how many soccer stories you can get in? Because I imagine uh, in Lansing, uh, uh, your coverage is uh, very Spartan heavy. Yes. Uh, I would say that to, to use a, di- a phrase from a different sport, probably on a little bit of a pitch count, when it comes to how many soccer stories I, I'm allowed to write. So, you know, you kind of just uh, you know try to look for the good ones and interesting angles. And I, I feel like I've kind of done a pretty good job with that. With Lansing Common, I know that uh, the initial story, not the initial initial story, but the story I, I wrote a pretty big lengthy feature about how their team came about and how they settled on Lansing Common and how they settled on their logo and all that stuff. Like I had gone to a couple of the meetings where they were trying to iron out the names and then logo and everything like that. So I had a pretty pretty good idea how all of that went down and as a journalist when you do all that stuff and do all the legwork it makes for a pretty good story at the end of the day and how was the reception of the the, the work like uh do you get uh, enough clicks and uh, views for for that to all pan out or are you really just doing it just because uh, you just want to give it some exposure in general uh, i would say a little bit of column a a little bit of column b i mean obviously you know michigan state for better or for worse you know really drives our our clicks, as, as you said, and the, the amount of, you know, people we bring to our website, but the, but we do, uh, we do, we're pretty high school heavy as well. We write a lot of high school stuff and, and we do a lot of other non high school, non MSU stuff as well. A lot of that kind of falls upon me, which I, which I, a role that I am perfectly suited for, you know, I, I really kind of the only one on the staff that like loves, loves soccer and kind of knows the inner workings and how it works. So I could explain how all of the, the entire U S soccer pyramid works. If you really wanted me to, while, you know, following the, the worldwide game, you know, especially over in Europe pretty closely. So what sparked that? I guess uh, I'll, I'll ask what, what sparked your, your interest in uh, passion for soccer, but in uh, the way your job is constructed, if you didn't have the personal attention and passion for it, would it be in the the coverage at your outlet? I, I still think so. I mean, when Lansing United started back in 2013-2014, uh, our sports columnist, Graham Couch, and one of our then-reporters, James Edwards, really kind of did a lot of the reporting and writing on Lansing United. And there, there was a lot of 
a lot of interest there as well. So I don't think that just because I like soccer doesn't mean that changes the way we kind of cover it. I think there would still be, you know, enough coverage of the team. I mean, there's only so many things here outside of Michigan State High School. You know, we were capital city, pretty big city, you know, 500,000, you know, in greater Lansing. So population wise. So, you know, you've got these semi-pro soccer teams. Well, you just had one semi-pro soccer team. Now you have <laughs> an untold number of amount that we're going to cover here later in the podcast. But uh, yeah, I think, I mean, obviously that there's the fact there's all these teams and these teams keep popping up after the other ones fold. I think that means there's enough interest in them too enough interest where these teams keep popping up so other people will read about what's going on with those teams. That's good to hear that there there is the interest and, and, and it's not just uh, singular. And actually, uh, you, you mentioned your colleague, uh, Graham Couch. I, I do remember a feature. He had a big one about um, Lansing Ignite um, that I, I, I still remember um, reading and uh, had, had some really good photography and just kind of painted the picture of the, the Lansing Ignite saga. Um but to your point that you just mentioned, that's a pretty good segue. Um, all the different teams that have come. So uh, once was Lansing United, then became Ignite, and then Common. So in December, there was uh, a number of uh, of uh, newsworthy items uh, that kind of is, is going to change the landscape moving forward yet again with uh, a couple new teams. Uh, Lansing City Football announced that they'll be uh, adding to their futsal programming, and they'll be joining USL League Two. So they'll be uh, um, both Lansing Common in the Midwest Premier League, Lansing City Football in the USL Two, and on the women's side is uh, an outfit, uh, a club called Cap City Athletic that will be competing in the UWS. Um, could you kind of uh, unfurl all that, like how it happened and what you know about all these different entities? Well, oh boy, yeah, you, you need to clear like a half hour to 45 minutes for me to try to handle all this. But no, there's no out. time limit on podcasts. <laughs> I will do. Uh, that's why I love podcasts. I will. I will do this succinctly. Uh, let's start with let's start on the women's side with with uh, Cap City Athletic. I don't think if you were paying attention, I don't think it was a surprise to kind of see Lansing United f- fold the women's team. I mean, obviously the men's team had already folded back after the 2018 season, but uh, it, interest had kind of waned, you know, this past summer with Lansing United. And uh, the fact that there was a lot of, you know, I only talked to Jason Christ a couple of times, but if I could read between, you know, things he was saying, it really seemed like he was having issues kind of keeping a consistent roster. He was having to bring in, and this happened a little bit even back in 2019 too, where they were having to bring in, a rotating roster of players late in the season when they didn't really have a consistent group. And I think it was much worse in 2021. And I think by the end of it all, I think everyone was just kind of ready to, to move on onto their separate ways. You know, Jeremy's, you know, kind of got his own, you know, things outside of, well, not outside of soccer, but outside of, you know, running Lansing United. And I think he wanted to kind of concentrate on those. So that's where, so without a women's soccer team in Lansing, that's where cap city kind of comes into the fold. And, you know, they actually announced in November they announced their team in November, early November, with very little fanfare. Like, even though I follow the soccer scene pretty closely, I have to admit that I had no idea that that actually happened when it happened in November. So that's kind of, I will admit, that's kind of bad journalism on my part. But uh, at the same time, you know, there was a void. You know, Cap City, you know, formed in, I believe, 2013. And one of their goals was to eventually have a women's senior team. And with Lansing United folding, I think that kind of gave them the window and the opportunity to kind of do it to do it now. And, you know, I think it's 
nice to see that we won't have a void in the, in the women's soccer game, you know, when in Lansing for, for next summer and hopefully beyond. So that's good uh, to, to fill the void. I do remember after the summer season and then the official, the, the news like became official that Lansing United, the women's side, was disbanding. I did hear some online or see some online chatter that Common was um, kind of thinking about that. It, but this is a yeah. completely separate entity, Cap City? Yes, completely separate entity. And, you know, I've talked a little bit about it with uh, Eric Walcott, who was the president of the board of directors for for Lansing Common, and I, I still think they're exploring the idea of a women's team, but at the same time, with Cap City kind of jumping in here to fill the void, I would not, personally, I don't have any inside information on this, I would not be surprised if they choose not to go the women's route, at least for the moment, unless Cap City decides, you know, to pack it in after, you know, a couple of years or whatnot. But if they do uh, decide to go forward with the women's team, let's, let's have a fourth semi-pro team here in Lansing. Why not, right? We've already got, we've already got three. <laughs> Yeah, it's wild. Um, it's I'll admit, like doing research and like looking um, the Lansing teams up. It the, the the Google searches are a little bit muddy when you start looking up Lansing soccer and stuff because a lot of different iterations of teams and yeah. some websites aren't defunct when they maybe should be, and yeah. some things are up. So it, there is a little bit of like a digital clutter out there regarding that. So I'm glad we're kind of walking through there because we have another player new to uh, at least the summer outdoor soccer season. Tell us about Lansing City football. Well, Lansing City football is, this is another one that really kind of feels like it, it came out of nowhere. I, I found out that the Lansing City football thing was happening maybe, I don't know, I want to say a week or two maybe before, well, they, before they officially announced that, well, maybe, I heard it might be coming. I guess that I did not know it was officially going to happen, but they kind of moved pretty quickly. And that uh, Lansing City football is is owned and operated by Jeremy Kleppel, who uh, is a futsal player and, you know, is the owner and operator of Lansing City Futsal, which is the five-on-five indoor soccer, soccer team. And he represented the United States last summer in the FIFA Futsal World Cup. So I, if I had to guess, I had to believe that, he was kind of using some of that momentum, you know, from, you know, representing the U.S. at the FIFA Futsal World Cup to try to grow the Lansing City Futsal brand and kind of branching out into Lansing City football. Now, that's just that part's just a guess on my part. But uh, I do find it interesting that uh, he felt like there was a need to for Lansing to have a second semi-pro team after, you know, we've had so much turnover already with some of the other teams that, you know, he's kind of come in here and not only brought Lansing City football to life, they will be competing, and he's paid the expansion fee to play in USL League Two. He definitely thought there was a, a market to have a, have a second team. I know that uh, before he announced Lansing City Football, maybe in the summer or in the fall, he had talked to the Lansing Common Folk and you know talked about the viability of you know potentially having a a second team in Lansing. So I. I don't know the full contents of that conversation. If uh, Lansing Common was like, no way, man, we don't need a second team. We don't need competition. But uh, uh, whatever, whatever couple was, you know, thinking about, he decided to, you know, make the jump and, and pay the expansion fee to, to get into USL League Two. And the one thing that is interesting about Lansing football is that it's going to be in USL League Two, which is, is technically not technically is, you know, a, a little higher level of play. I think it's at least seen through the scope of the U.S. pyramid than the Midwest Premier League that uh, Lansing Common plays in. 
Yeah, that's interesting. So the, there actually was a, a conversation. <laughs> yeah, like I said, that's a that'd be a curious conversation. Just like, hey, let you know that uh, we're now going to be directly competing with you. Yeah, I mean, well, if you wanted to read between the lines on uh, Lansing Common's social media when when uh, Lansing City Football was announced, I'm I'm pretty sure they weren't uh, too happy to have to have another team in, in competition here here in Lansing. That was an interesting nugget in your piece when you were uh, introducing uh, this team or, or reporting on their announcement. Was that uh, they waived uh, USL's uh, territory rights, or, uh, or uh, well, how did you put it? Like the the, the their um, the, there's a possibility for uh, Common to possibly join USL, or they left yes. the door open for another Lansing team to to, to, to join that region. You know, so as part of that expansion fee and part of the contract that Lansing City F- Football would have signed with with USL, that gave them territory rights to Lansing Air, which means no other team could, you know, come in and be in USL League Two as long as Lansing City Football was there. And now, with with Kleppel, you know, specifically asking for them not to, if if Lansing Common continues kind of you know this upward mobility and decides they do want to move from the Midwest Premier League to something bigger like USL League Two. They would be allowed to, and there could be two Lansing teams within USL League Two because, you know, when you have, you know, the city the size of Lansing and you got two teams in the same league, they can, you know, create a little, maybe create a little friction in terms of dividing fan bases and whatnot. So, although they're still going to be dividing fan bases even in two different leagues. So, you, this just just me throwing up the shoulder shrug emoji over here on that stuff. <laughs> Yeah, that's interesting. I'll admit, like, uh, I, I'm definitely more clubs, more action, the merrier. But I did actually, um, my, my, I did kind of hope for Common that they'd get a little bit more time to, like, you know, stand, yeah. stand on their 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 legs on their own for a moment. But um, it is, I mean, competition, um, I guess, uh, adds to competition. Uh, in its own right, but um, it, focusing on the, the the new group, the Lansing City Football uh, kind of division of Lansing City Futsal, like uh, you uh, kind of in the mainstream sports reporter, did what's the, the the awareness or what kind of a footprint does Lansing City Futsal have? Is this a known entity? I would say it's uh, again. This is one of those things where is it a known entity within Lansing soccer? Yes, but you know, in terms of a greater scope of of things probably not. I mean, definitely way more casuals, you know, if you will, knew about Lansing United, Lansing Ignite, and Lansing Common uh, as well. So and they're probably going to need to fight to kind of kind of break through here. And I, I do think it's interesting that you know Lansing Common also you know plays downtown, which I do think gives them a little bit of, of a foot up, you know, playing at Eastern High School or not. Whereas uh, Lansing City Football will be playing their home games in uh, the southern part of Lansing at uh, Hope Sports Complex, which is where other home games will be this year. And so is that more on the outskirts then? Yeah, it's kind of like uh, pretty close to Holt. Like, uh, yeah, so basically like in between downtown Lansing and Holt, I guess would be the best way to describe where Hope Sports Complex is. Interesting, interesting, and and uh, is the the Lansing area obviously the Spartans are there, but is does Lansing have the the density of uh, soccer players and interest? Um, I mean, obviously there is an interest that these different leagues, uh, especially USL, has obviously trying to make it work in Lansing. Yeah. Um, what what, it, what what is there that is like maybe driving this uh, ambition to, to to make a lot of soccer work in Lansing right now? Well, I just think we got. A lot of people here who 
want to be involved in, in the soccer prof- professionally when, you know, whether it's, you know, the, the board of directors or the, you know, the entirety of the, the fan supporter group that owns Lansing common, or, you know, you got Kleppel who's got it, who's, who's got his futsal team. And I wants to, you know, branch out from futsal to 11, 11 man outdoor soccer. And when, when you get, you know, those people with, with ambition and drive to want to do those things, then this is kind of what happens. You, you battle for the hearts of Lansing. And like I said earlier, I mean, there's 500,000 people that live in greater Lansing. Uh, there's plenty of, there's plenty of athletes and, and plenty of fan support to go around. If, if those teams, all those teams, all three teams want to go get it. Interesting. Interesting. It, it'll be interesting to see how it all plays out. And, uh, and in Michigan, there's just a plethora of teams. I wonder if we'll see a point where um, there'll be like a consolidation. We'll see like clubs that are like actually like truly united in the the, the yes. original uh, like original naming where it was teams like actually <laughs> uniting together under under one badge. I, I wonder if we'll see that in the future at some point. But um, speaking of which, like the uh, you cover a lot of Michigan State Spartans, and um, obviously the player, you know, some of the best players in the region. Uh, play for the Spartans, and then with the the whole summer league scenario, players play there through the college year. They come play club ball through the summer, and then they you know go on either to to their careers or back to to college. Um, have any of these teams, in your knowledge, made any sort of arrangements to to maybe uh, with players or with lodging players so they can put together their rosters? Well, when it comes specifically to the MSU players, I would sincerely doubt there needs to be a lodging situation if they're, if they're playing in Lansing because they've got their own summer workouts with Michigan state plus, you know, whatever practices they do with their semi-pro team, whether it's Lansing common, uh, Lansing city football or cap city. So, and then most of those people are already going to be in East Lansing. So I really don't see that as much of an issue. I do know that, you know, Lansing common had two freshmen last year in it that were incoming, that were incoming MSU freshmen, Zach Kelly and uh, Josh Adam and, you know, Zach Kelly lives in Holt, which is a Lansing suburb, and or lived in Holt, which is a Lansing suburb, and uh, Josh Adam was from Brighton, so they could just you know they would just drive up for practices of the game. So I don't think there's a lodging situation there at all with with either of those two teams. No, I guess it, it what came to mind is I, I know that the the Flint Bucks have been able to to lodge um, players, or at least it's my knowledge is they're able to lodge players at Kettering, so they might be able to pull talent from out other regions. Um, with a kind of a local uh, lodging base. Uh, I was curious if that sort of thing might play out with all these different teams and will, will will all the players be able to be local in that way for all these different teams? Well, I know I'm pretty sure Lansing common strives for kind of everybody to be local. That's not, and that's not saying, cause they don't want to lodge them. That's just because you know, that their entire brand, not entire brand, their huge part of their brand is based on having local players being local, you know, doing as many things as possible, you know, outreach sponsorship, local and all that stuff. Now, Lansing United, both the men's and women's teams, did both have, you know, they would lodge players. Now, I don't know if the team paid for those necessarily, but I do know the the, the outside players they did bring in. Well, on the men's side, I, I'm pretty sure they did. Uh, you know, have people where they could lodge them either with families or uh, with maybe a lot of clothes. I do know, like, on the Lansing United women's team last year, there was one player who stayed with – a aunt or uncle, even though she was from nowhere near Lansing, but had a relative in Lansing, so that's why she was able to play for United. So there's all there's always all kinds of crazy scenarios and situations when that happens. But if there is, you know, a talented player outside of Lansing that wants to play at the year of these teams, I think it, all of them will will try to figure out a way, one way or another, to to get lodging. 
Well, yeah, and it's a people business, so, you know, yeah. personal situations that, you know, play out sort of things. I was just curious of, like, in the the, the, competi- the newly formed competition for right. for fans and players and, like, how, how will the, the locality of a, a, a talent base of the, 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 the Spartans, like, how, how would that play out in this uh, battle, uh, this uh, summer soccer battle? I was curious. Yeah, I guess we're going to. I'm going to find out just along, <laughs> just along with you at the exact same time. Uh, Fair I, I will go back to the Michigan State thing here real quick. It really seems like, you know, there were four Michigan State players on Lansing Commons team last year, and there were always Michigan State players that played for both the Lansing United men's and women's team. So, you know, it seems like there's a pretty good relationship there. The one thing I will say is that Lansing City Football, as we talked about, is playing in USLE too, which is a little higher level. So that there, I don't know the relationship between Damon Rensing and, uh, Jeremy Kluppel, but if they're working on forging one, I could, I could, I could see a scenario where, you know, Rensing is maybe sending a couple of his players to play at USL League Two in that you know higher level competition. Yeah, I, I could see that world uh, to play out that way. That's a, an interesting note, and we'll yeah definitely be interested to see how it plays out. I mean, the landscape of soccer across the state in general is every summer it changes, but it just seems to be uh, especially so uh, in the middle of the state right now. Yeah. Um, so many, so many teams, so many Michigan teams in USL league too. Like they're, they're, yeah, have you taken a look at the list of division foes for Lansing city football? Yes. Uh, it's a six, six team division, uh, great lakes division with all, all Michigan based teams. Yeah. That's, that's pretty wild. And then uh, uh, the 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 USLW uh, Great Lakes Division, um, I'm kind of blown away by their division too, because it has, uh, I believe, four Michigan teams, and then the out of state teams are a really high competition with uh, Cincinnati Kings, Hammer, Indy Eleven, and um, and Louisville, and so that that that's a star studded uh, division too, on the women's side of the new USL uh, Great Lakes division but um one thing i want to ask you uh a lot of the time when we have people that, that cover the sport i kind of like to ask some qu- questions about like the craft of it itself um when you're uh uh a writing and pitching soccer stories uh you you've had a, a pretty lengthy career with a few different stops in a couple of different locations covering sports uh when you uh pitch the, the soccer stories over time how was the the reaction been is there is there uh a more of an open reaction to soccer stories or uh has there been any change over time uh i would say over the uh, that's a very good question i don't know how to answer this uh i would say in the five years i've been here at the Lancaster state journal they the stories i pitched they've more or less accepted you know they haven't really there hasn't really been anything i've you know, really tried to, you know, stomp on the floor for that, that they said no to. So they're pretty open to it. Like I said, uh, we've been covering soccer here. I mean, not, not just high school, but like Lansing United since uh, they started like in 2013, like I said. So, you know, we've had a pretty consistent soccer, you know, maintained a pretty decent soccer coverage over over that past time. So I think, I, I think when I, you know, when I'm pitching stories to the others, they kind of know, what they're getting both in terms of, you know, type of story and quality and know what, and know what to expect from, from the readership. So I hope that, I hope that answered your question. And would you say that, uh, that you, most of your stuff that you put in the Lansing state journals are more like features like game of the week sort of thing, or, or would you consider yourself like on the beat? Uh, when it comes 
So like that story is definitely more features, like player features. Like when I think back to uh, the Lansing Night season, the 2019 season, like the things that like definitely got the best reception were, you know, features about the players who uh, maybe the play, maybe the fans of the restrict didn't know that much about, but were playing well for Lansing and I, like I think of Tumi Moshibani, for example, and Alma N4. Those are two guys who, you know, were scoring goals for, for Nate Miller's team and a lot of people know about them. And both of those guys have, you know, incredibly fascinating backstories and then they're both from, you know, both from Africa. Uh, they kind of came to the U.S. to try to find, find their way. Not only did they find their way, they, you know, reached a, a certain level of success, especially when you look at uh, Tumi, who, you know, scored 10 goals in the USL championship for San Diego last year. So. Who were these players? Say that again. Sorry, Tumi Moshibani for and Elma N4. Those are two guys that were on Lansing and Knight in 2019. And they've they've gone on to uh, play some things. And there was there was good reception when you were you were writing up their story of their their, their latter success. Yeah. Yes. Uh, they kind of both came from Africa. Hmm. Um. Would you say, um, I, I guess, what what sparked uh, your interest in soccer in general? You're obviously a passionate soccer guy as well as uh, other sports, it seems. Um, what, what sparked soccer for you? Yeah, yeah. I, I'm really kind of a late bloomer to, to the world of soccer. Uh, you know, I did not. I played I played football growing up, American football, to, <laughs> to clarify for, for the listeners growing up. And uh, I really didn't follow soccer outside of the World Cup until 2010 I want to say you know I you know I followed like the 2002 World Cup was probably the first World Cup like I like I followed I followed followed and you know I remember buying the FIFA World Cup video game for PlayStation 2 in 2002 but you know I didn't really follow it too much between 2000 2006 then US Flames out in 06 you know with with the three really core games there and then you know 2010 you follow the run they'd be you know landing Donovan's goal versus Algeria and you like, I knew there was like, I knew there was club soccer, but I didn't follow it that closely. You know what I mean? And it was then when I was like, I kind of like soccer. I like the watching the World Cup. Maybe I should just give you know professional soccer or club soccer, you know, uh, a whirl and see if I like it. And you know, obviously the English Premier League is the uh, you know biggest league in the world. And you know, I started you know follow that, started following that in the 2010 2011 season, and uh, you know didn't have a team right off the bat and. You just, you know, just kind of followed and see what I like. And then, you know, Tottenham Hotspur was in the Champions League that year, you know, their first time in a, quite a long time, you know, which was a kind of a dominating story when in, in the English press about that stuff. And, you know, Gareth Bell has the hat trick against Inter, and then he comes back with three assist in, in, in the in the return game in, in the group stage. And it was really at that point, those two Gareth Bell performances, I just like, yeah, Tottenham Hotspur, this is my team. I love them. And uh, it, as for anybody who follows me on Twitter, uh, they know that most like half of my tweets are about Tottenham Hotspur. So Spurs are a big part of my life at this point, which is kind of crazy to say. If you had told like 18 year old me, like how much I would be following and tweeting about English Premier League soccer, I would probably have a heart attack. <laughs> I know exactly the games you're talking about, those Gareth Bale ones. That I think that I think that solidified a lot of people's fandom. That was definitely a, uh, uh breakwater or a watershed moment uh for them over there for sure i mean have they i guess they did kind of in a fluky way made the champions league final but oh i do think gosh. that was their like most fluky. glorious moment how dare you fluky. i mean there <laughs> was some, there was some fortune along the way yeah they, i mean they, they, they had... didn't have a good premier league season and they had that, that the game against the ajax i remember being yeah. 
a little bit of an oddity. Yeah, they got uh, the they had there was again in the second leg against Manchester City in the quarters there was the disallowed goal and stoppage time. Sterling scored, but it got disallowed for an offsides. A lot of them get to the semifinals, and of course the three second half goals in the second leg versus Ajax and to get to the Champions League final in uh, twenty twenty, which is uh, one of the best afternoons of my life. Sport as a sports fan, that was incredible and awesome. Uh, I, I could imagine, I could imagine that was an awesome day too. So like it, it, it was forged by Bale and then solidified by uh, that, that Champions League uh, against Ajax. Yeah, well, I would say it was long solidified before <laughs> that. I'm not really the type of person that's going to switch allegiances, you know, and, and whatnot. So, but yeah, but for the sake of great storytelling, yes, we'll say, we'll say forged by Bale, solidified by Lucas Mora. Yeah, fair. Cause I was going to say, I mean, I, I never, uh, Really thought too much about Spurs. Obviously, uh, the Klinsman era was fun, and uh, they had moments here and there. But yeah, they 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 there was never. I can't remember too many more dramatic moments that like uh, put 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 someone over the mark or put a club to a different level than when uh, when when Bale, you know, totally pretty much introduced himself to the world over that two leg uh, span against uh, Milan. That yeah. was pretty incredible stuff. If no one's seen that. You could look up Bale and Mycon. I, I remember that the Mycon was uh, considered Taxi one of the Mycon best is in the world. And... Doctor Twitter, yeah. <laughs> What's that? Taxi for Mycon is still like a meme that you see on Twitter from time to time after uh, when after the way Bale destroyed him in those games. Yeah, and that actually brings the point of why it's wild that like a a a, a player can have like a million million games. And they can perform up and down, good, bad, and the other. But it's the certain performances, for whatever reason, things all line up where everybody, you know, it, it aligns for them then. Because I don't know if anyone's opinion of Gareth Bale was ever higher than that moment. And then ever since Mycon's performance has never been the same since those yeah. moments either. Well, Mycon was kind of at the, you know, the tail end of, the, of his prime at that point. And, you know, Bale's last season in Tottenham, uh, you know, he was incredible. He had 20 plus goals and, you know, that's how you get the $97 million move to Madrid. And then he ended up with Bale and, or with uh, Benzema and Ronaldo winning. And I don't have, remember the number off the top of my head, but an insane number of trophies, I believe four champions leagues, uh, too many of the other things he won that he did not win with Tottenham. So, yeah, they, 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 he, he, he went on to do just fine, but uh, your Spurs uh, were, were kind of, uh, uh, for, forgive me, I don't want uh, <laughs> to push your buttons too much, but floundering a little bit. But I got to say, it's a pretty big uh, shock to see him land uh, Conte as the boss and maybe some hope there. Yeah, well, if they had signed him during the summer like they were, they had been linked to, they might not. They might be better off than they are right now. Might be even. I don't know about pushing City for for the title, but you know, more, a little more comfortably, maybe in a Champions League spot. I think they'll finish in a Champions League. So I think they'll finish fourth. By the time the season goes out, and they'll make the Champions League again for the first time in a couple of years, so uh, a rare uh, optimistic comment for me about my beloved Spurs. It is pretty wild. How many professions in the world uh, can you can you decline a job offer in the summer and then accept it three months later? Well, it, yeah, I mean, I don't know the inner workings of all that personally. I'm sure it came down to money and uh, how much control he would have over the roster, and I think there was some. Uh, issues whether or not Kane was going to be there because I think Conte didn't want the job if Kane wasn't going to be there. But obviously, through that entire saga, Kane did not go to Man City, stayed at Spurs. Now you have Conte, and if they make the Champions League, Kane will almost certainly stay next year, if not 
maybe sign another contract with a, with a pay raise to go along with it. So, I mean, that's that stuff for down the line. We'll, we'll see what happens there. Yeah. Um, interesting times, uh, no doubt. Never a dull moment of uh, soccer across the seas or right here at home, as we discussed earlier with uh, the flurry of activity of new clubs yeah. and um, and new seasons ahead. I, I like this part of the year. It gets really excited when you see schedules and player announcements and all that sort of stuff. I guess uh, um, well, what I, would be the... I will say that Lansing City Football has yet to announce any player signings, whereas Lansing Commons has announced three players, and you know Cap City has already announced six players. So Cap City is really kind of you know moving quickly here. As we, but again, we're only a couple months away from the season to start, so pretty exciting. Yeah, I'm interested to see how this plays out. Uh, 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 a fun road ahead. Uh, what would you like to see out of your uh, summer covering soccer? Well, well uh, three very successful teams in their league. And three teams that are embraced by everybody. And I, I, I don't know if that's going to happen. I wouldn't be surprised if we have a civil war of sorts between Lansing Common and, and Lansing City Football. Um, I'm sure there. I'm sure there's a lot of. I guess I'm not sure. I'm just guessing that there's probably some battle for a few players here in Lansing. You know, in in the background going on between those two. And uh, I don't know if there's room for two cities in Lansing long term, but. If there is, good. If not, we'll see how this all plays out. Yeah, interesting times ahead. You got to believe that there's some, a couple players fielding phone calls from multiple coaches of these teams. I mean, there's, there's got to be some some overlapping interest, no doubt, right? Yeah, who's who's the angel investor for Lansing Common? Who's the angel investor for Lansing City Football to get these players? And I'm just joking. I don't think they get a salary of any sort. So <laughs> No, that, that, that's, the, that, that's uh, definitely... Uh, Interesting. I wonder, this might be a big question to throw in uh, later into our conversation here, but how is the uh, name image likeness of college, uh, the, that new scenario, how is that going to play out into the summer college club situation? Yeah, that's something I really haven't thought of, but I guess uh, if one of these teams wants to get a bag man to be, uh, you know, to help provide name image likeness for, for these players, if, uh, uh, trying to think of an, uh, an example here let's say uh i can't think of it let's say gianni ferry from michigan state was a a hot commodity and uh was choosing between the two teams and uh you know maybe one team offered him some was able to get him some sort of an il deal yeah that, that might that might be a thing i don't foresee that happening with these teams but you never know it's an interesting wrinkle that, that you uh that you propose yeah, because there's a name, image, likeness, and uh, um, the, the 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 player portal stuff. I know that's a whole different aspect, but that's kind of made college be like free agency without contracts in a way with different people supplying money with the image, likeness stuff. I feel like we're in a whole uh, new world with this whole uh, pre-professional world, be it collegiately or club-wise. Yep. I mean, obviously football takes up 99% of the oxygen when it comes to there and, and okay. there are transfers and the other stuff, but we know there's, there isn't, there isn't that I haven't seen the spikes in the other sports like we have, like we have in football, but you know, we may only be a year or two away from that when everyone, you know, kind of, fig- kind of figures it out. Well, uh, Phil, uh, this has been a pleasure. Um, thank you so much for joining the Michigan soccer central podcast. Uh, could you tell the listeners, uh, how to find, uh, your coverage? 
Sure. Uh, you can find all of my awesome soccer stories at LansingStateJournal.com. You can just search my name and you'll see a whole lot of soccer stories, including one I wrote last week about, uh, it was basically just a notebook, notebook of sorts talking about Cap City's first signings, Lansing Commons' first signings, and then talking about Lansing City football schedule. So we kind of covered some of that here, but uh, it gets in a little more than any gritty on that. So I would recommend check that out. And you can follow me on Twitter at Phil underscore friend. Thank you once again. I really appreciate the insight and uh, you got me even more excited for, for how this is all going to play out there in uh, mid-Michigan. Thank you so much for your time and insight. Hey, thank you very much. Greatly appreciated. That about does it, listener, for another edition of Michigan Soccer Central. Thank you so much for listening through to the end here. Thank you to my guests this week. The captain, Mr. Julian Burge, as well as uh, a really great interview, something I, uh, a lot of uh, tidbits I really appreciated from uh, reporter Phil Friend. So thank you to our guests this week, as well as all the guests that have come on to the show since uh, we kicked this thing off about uh, about nine, ten months ago or so. So uh, thanks for hanging out with us, and thank you to the Michigan Central or Michigan Soccer Central core team. Without the guidance and you know conducting and arranging a lot of this information, this show would not happen. And then thank you to Jenny Hajnaki for editing the program as always, and to Dan Katranza for providing the music so very long ago. So with all those thanks out of the way, everybody. Until next time, enjoy your sock.